Welcome back to Insurance Happy Hour. This is Laird. And I'm Becky. So, hey, Becky, we are here at InsureTech <laughs> no. Connect. <laughs> no. No, we're not? No. Oh. We're at ITC. Oh, we're at ITC. <laughs> okay. But but uh, the, the, the trade show is going on, right? No. What? Did, it, did I miss a week? Yes. I missed a week? <laughs> we missed a week. What, what, what happened with that? Uh, well, I think that's a story that we need to get into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually had someone tell me that they, there was a massive void last week when there was no podcast and they was really confused because <laughs> they were like, what happened? Pobrecito. Yeah. Sorry guys. We missed a week. I almost died. <laughs> that's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> I can tell you that, uh. Uh, we were on our way to actually set up all the podcast equipment, and I I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't. All, all I know is you're like, I'm going to go to CVS. I'm not feeling good, and then the next thing I see, I get a picture of a temperature. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a, almost 103, and I was like, Yeah, we're not recording. Uh, I said, I said, I'm up for it, but I don't think you will be. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah, that last last week was a bit of a blur because after about three PM on Tuesday, I don't remember much until probably Saturday. Like I think I, I've seen you one one day in the last two weeks. Yeah. And it it was it was this Monday, I think, right? It was last Monday at uh, yeah. Intratag. Okay. Yeah, it's the it was an unofficial first day. <laughs> oh my god. I it just I was out like I missed uh, the Agents Alliance show. Got told that there was a void there because of <laughs> my presence were. wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then it was like Tuesday and Tuesday. I'm, I was busy all day long. I saw nobody from RITC at this show until about I don't know four. And yeah. it's and that's when I was finally like, "Hey, are we recording?" And you were like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um and then and then this week i i landed what at noon today so uh, i this is a you know get it coming come to the office <laughs> record get it online and we're coming in hot <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so yeah uh you know i don't know if we need to have a full episode about insure tech connect well i mean i i have definitely some notes Notes from the show. I do. I okay, like, I, I mean notes. All right. Well, note away. Mm-hmm. So I think the show itself has evolved. Right in 2016, it was about what 1,500 people. Yeah, and that was back when there was investments starting to happen in insure tech. It was becoming much more of a movement. Uh, it was starting to be used. Um, the term itself starting to be used in the industry a lot more. So there was a lot of curiosity. What is InsureTech? What does that mean? Is it going to last? Is it actually going to have an impact on this industry? And I think a lot of people attended and, and, and came to it just for that reason. This year, I've, it felt a lot more practical. How do I implement InsureTech? How do I take this thing to improve my organization? How do I make it happen? Yeah. Um, I, I saw a lot of that, but also I saw – because we have a lot of agencies that listen to this, a serious lack of real agencies there. At this year's show? Yeah. The, and, and I'm talking not the whole Agency Connect first day. That was almost like a bone thrown to them saying, hey, agents, you have a place here. Mm. But every session, 
every little thing I think was geared towards carriers, uh, back end type stuff, very little content for agencies. And I've talked to a lot of agencies afterwards and they were of the opinion that no, I didn't get much out of that show because it wasn't angled towards me. No, it never, and it never has been. I mean, even from the beginning, it's, it's never been, I mean, the first show is all about disrupting the agent. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, God, I had someone tell me that that's not the case. And I'm like, what? They had a whole panel up there called Agent 2.0, right. the replacement of the modern agent. <laughs> that was the title of the, sh- the session. panel. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, but so, you know, while, while disruption of the distribution channel has, has not been a focus anymore, mm-hmm. it's the, the show itself is still not focused on agents at all. It's just not the show yeah. for agents, which I think is fine. Um, you know, a lot of that technology is agents wouldn't don't really have much of a use case for. Yeah. Um, so it's it it's not something that they necessarily need to attend. I think it's something they need to pay attention to. You know, everything that gets announced and and mentioned and talked about there. But um, the one the the biggest announcement that really caught my eye was Nationwide's announcement of their new direct to consumer product. Uh huh. Did you see this? I did. Um, so they, they announced a new product called Spire, uh, which is a direct to consumer product. And they've, they've taken out actually four historical rating factors when they're, they're rating auto insurance. They've taken out gender, they've taken out education, they've taken out marital status and credit scoring. And instead of those four factors, they're going to focus more on hyper geographic factors. So exactly where you park how far do you drive um whatnot and they're not this is a program that obviously they're not offering through agents because it's a direct-to-consumer program but it's also um not an app it is a website mm-hmm. that is mobile first mobile friendly right so it can be used on a phone because this was all targeted towards millennials and they spent time talking to millennials and interviewing millennials to get their views of the insurance buying process and where they felt there were gaps. Uh, so they built this whole platform to target millennials uh-huh. and to get millennials to use it and to compete with something like Root or um, Metro Mile or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the way they went about building it because they built it completely through InsurTech partnerships. They built it in about seven months. And the whole quoting process takes one minute. Yeah. You scan your driver's license, answer four questions, and you get a bindable quote. Yep. Whatever the quote is, that's what you're buying at. You don't – they don't upcharge you after the fact. Yeah, it's um, it, it's very cool whenever you're actually hearing all of that. Yeah. That, that that's the way that insurance will go. Mm-hmm. And I've always been – and I've maintained that my credit score has nothing to do with my ability to drive. Right. But all those other factors, which which is surprising because where you park and all that and, and how often you drive and how much you drive, it still doesn't take into account. And, but the the real rating factors are still there. How many accidents? Mm-hmm. You know, well, um, that's, that's one of the questions is how have you had more than two tickets in the past year? But because you're scanning your driver's license, they're going to be able to pull. The yeah, they VR. pull that information. So they're going to have they're going to have the accidents information. Yeah. So they're going to have all of that. In and the back that, end. And that's where I see a lot of a lot of very quick insurance going to is very simple, basic ones that are pulling a lot of back end data. Mm-hmm. I actually see this I uh, got asked and interviewed on this topic is commercial. Yep. 
commercial is actually going to go farther into that is that commercial is going to be ask one question, you know, put in your address and type of business, ask a couple more questions and boom, you have a rate. Right. So. So that, that was an interesting session for me. The room was packed of people. Yeah. I mean, there were so many people standing on the side and out of the doors. Mm -hmm. I, I had not been in a session that was that packed. But what's, what's cool is that they actually used the show to announce that, yeah. which means a lot. It does. It does. But I think it was partly because they used InsurTech partners to build it. They were really proud of the fact that they built it in seven months. Um, I mean, for insurance carriers that move pretty slowly, that's pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. I've Again. To build a whole new product? Yeah. A whole new platform? Well, they didn't get filed in California in seven months, I assure you that. No, it's launching in Texas first, okay. uh, this quarter. Which Texas has it is easy, so it's not even out yet. No, it's it's launching sometime this quarter. See, that's I, I, I call BS on stuff like that, though. Just don't sit there and announce something coming soon, you know? Um, Microsoft did that crap yet, uh, this week. Uh, what, it wasn't even yesterday. It was uh, Wednesday, where they announced, yes, next Holiday season, we're going to launch a new phone, a dual screen phone. Really? As in 2020? 2020, holiday season. And you're like, why even say something? I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not like Nationwide is not launching this in six months. They're launching it. In seven months? No, they're they're launching it <laughs> sometime in Q4. That could be tomorrow. <laughs> that could be, you know, two and a half months from now. I don't know. But sometime... In the near short-term preacher versus Microsoft's being a year out. Oh. <laughs> a lot can happen in a year. I'm going to get back. Hey. Uh, yeah, you are, which is throwing me off. Hey! <laughs> Episode's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was the biggest thing from the show I wanted to talk about because I thought it was really interesting. It's uh, hot in here. It, yeah. I'm boiling. I mean, I took my sweater off. I was freezing in my office earlier. All right. What else you got from Insure Tech Connect? Because because I wasn't there. No. I, I was there, but I, was, I mean, you were you were there for like a, a day. <laughs> um, I did. I just I read I read this description of the show from somebody who had done a recap after the fact, and I thought it was really interesting. ITC Insure Tech Connect, not us. I, <sighs> I know. Uh, it's funny. Jay came up and apologized to every us every year. He does that. He goes, he goes, my second favorite ITC. <laughs> I go, but not the first. <laughs> um, so InsureTech Connect began three years ago as Craigslist became Tinder and is now something like LinkedIn. So it's basically become, it's evolved, right? And it's matured and it's become much more the place to be. Yeah. I, I it's based upon a show really um and i always get it wrong payments 2020 or check 2020 whatever that is it was it was a big fintech show back in the early 2000s still around and all that but it was massive like this but there's a point where i think that they have so much going on mm. that it's hard to actually focus on anything yeah and well it is there's there's so much happening in the show the the expo hall is open like all day every day you have meetings that are happening you have sessions that are happening you have news that is being announced there's no way to be able to see all of it because there's just so much happening yeah and a lot of the people just were were like shell shocked i mean <laughs> we we brought uh, a new employee onto it and he was just like Oh my God! This is this is a ton. This is more than anybody can handle. Yep, it, it it really is overwhelming. Yeah, and I talked to a few people that were just like, "It's it's too much. This is too much for 
excuse me, the uh, everything. Yeah. Anything else on that show? No, that was about it. Hmm. I mean, there were there are other things, but that was that was the crux of what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. It would have been uh, fun to do a show there, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I died. <laughs> did he die? He died. He did. <laughs> he was dead. Uh, what else you got? Um, I don't know. You said you had something you want to talk about. Hmm. Fifteen minutes in the show already, and do I want to go here? So you sent me a YouTube video. I sent you a YouTube video. You did. I sent you a lot of things. Yes. Um, you sent me a YouTube video about uh, B- from uh, B Atomic. That video. Yes. And it was interesting because it was right after our show where we actually talked about – we had two different episodes back-to-back about data. Mm. Right? Is that our last two episodes? I think there was an episode in between the two data episodes, but yeah. Okay. Well, here we are. We got uh, episode three on data. Okay. Um, Sydney Rowe did mm-hmm. a video mm-hmm. for B-Atomic, right? Yep. And um, I, I've tried to – I've tried to, you know, justify the reasoning for that, for that episode. Mm-hmm. And I can't. Um, what she covered is she got a email from an agent that says it was from nationwide talking about nationwide yep. and using data yep. that had taken uh, market basket data from three comparative rating vendors. What um, is market basket data layered <laughs> market basket data is I'll get into it, but, okay. um, market basket data is simply, uh, the rates that are going through in the market. Mm. Okay. And so the email said that we got this information from Vertifor, EasyLinks, and IBQ. Yep. The market basket data. And the market basket data um, indicated where that agency was ranking on the comparative raters. And it was where the carrier was ranking. Carrier, so carrier, I'm sorry, carrier was ranking on that agency's comparative writer. Mm-hmm. And the episode was really about being data muled, mm-hmm. meaning that agents are being used to collect data, and that data is then resold. Mm-hmm. And I think that based upon my deep knowledge of the market, uh, inside and outside ITC and how agencies operate, how carriers operate um, and and how vendors operate and how we all work together. And you got that four-legged stool. I finally got the fourth leg. I forgot about the one most important person for our our little stool. Data? No. Agents, carriers, vendors, consumers. Oh, yeah. That they need to be involved. And so that data is all over the place and that data is important. And everybody talks about how important that data is. Mm-hmm. And the video was saying that it was that agents were being taken advantage of because they are being data mulled. And I think that that was a ill-informed, misguided, and possibly dangerous topic to bring up. Yeah. Because 
it was not because there's a lack of understanding of what's there. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go into something first. Is if you want to not be data muled, stop driving. Stop watching TV. Stop using your phone. Stop using your phone. Don't surf the internet and don't use Wi-Fi. Don't use social media. Don't use social media. Any of those. Yep. Because your car, if you have OnStar or you have Ford Sync or you have any of the infinite, you know, Mercedes-Benz Embrace, Honda's got their whatever they call it, the, the connected vehicle where you can sit there and call. All that data is being fed into Verizon, mm-hmm. and Verizon is aggregating that data out, reselling it to everybody, and it is being used up and down the market. TV, do you think that when you're streaming, it's not logging what you're streaming and coming up with new episodes, new shows to create, and selling that data? Selling your data to target ads? Mm-hmm. So. Not only does that happen with streaming, that happens with if you have got a dish, satellite, cable provider, all that information is being shuttled right right back up. Even TVs, if you notice insignia TVs, you know, like a Best Buy and Walmart, they're super cheap. You can't opt out of their data sharing because that's part of the value proposition of selling that TV so cheaply cuz they know they're going to get the data and that data is more valuable than the price of the TV. Yep. So, we've got cars, phones. I don't even want to get into it. iPhone's gotten busted, Android's gotten busted, everybody's gotten busted in some way shape or form of oversharing data. But here's Crazy thing is I usually keep my location off on my phone. Mm-hmm. And you can test this too with any type of phone is that you can actually turn it off. But if you connect to a Wi-Fi, like a Starbucks or something, Wi-Fi, and then go look at your location app, it'll show you where you're at. Yeah. Because that unique Wi-Fi ID is being stored in the we- in the cloud. And so they can actually track as your phone is going past Starbucks and all these other things, they can actually track your phone is actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Why, um, internet providers, oh, that they see every bit of data going through. And then finally, you talk about social media. Let's see how much people got busted for that. And really, how much trouble did that cause Facebook? Mm-hmm. I mean, how, I mean, all the people were up in arms that they were going to do, they were going to get off of Facebook and they didn't. Yeah. Oh, very, very few did. Didn't, really did not expect anybody to do that. It, it didn't even make a dent. Nope. <clears throat> so if you want to start with, I don't want to be data muled. You need to stop doing those. But next, let's talk specifically about insurance. Is first of all, agencies and carriers need to understand who owns the data. Okay? An agency owns their client data. The second that they take that information and put it into a comparative rater or a website, that carrier website, carrier website, yeah. that information is then given to that carrier, and the carrier then has license to that data for using for quoting purposes only. They can't remarket it. All of that. A lot of agencies have been afraid that they're going to remarket that. Yeah. The problem is when the carrier sends a rate back, and they have a list of rates. The agency does not own that rate. Right. The carrier owns that rate. That's carrier proprietary information. And that information is based upon a whole bunch of data factors like you brought up with Nationwide where it's it's pulled from a multitude of sources of understanding the risk in the market. Right. And risk goes 
as they shown, a lot farther than credit score, a lot farther than who you are, age, sex, gender, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? So that information comes back. But then you bind that policy as an agency. That carrier then owns that policy. The agency does not own the policy. No, they, they own don't, the relationship. They, they own, own the, the relationship. They only re- – only own the relationship, the policy, and that's the problem with agents and brokers is that they're lead providers. They're they're the a partner channel yep. for a, a carrier. So, whenever you you talk about what goes into the market basket, and every comparative rater collects it, I'm going to be perfectly upfront and honest. And you should look at your end user license agreement for your your care your uh, comparative rater. We're going to get into some other systems here in a second, but you should look at it and it should tell you that they use anonymized statistical data that does not personally identify your uh, insurance or your agency. Correct. And so what the real risk there is, is you now know that a 30 year old male driving a 2010 Ford got this right. Well, remember, the agency doesn't own the rate. Right. And what carriers are doing when they're buying that data is trying to understand the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this area, it's not Laird, 43-year-old male in this area. It's – there's you know, 143-year-old males in this area by like zip code. And this is their rate characteristics. If they have five accidents, two accidents, one accident, whatever, here's the rate characteristics, the premium, the down payment, all of what's happening in the market. This is where we rank as a company for this risk. Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the reality is, is that uh, market basket data does not actually tell you the uh, agency. Doesn't tell you the agency, doesn't tell you the consumer. Correct. Yep. And, you know, but you go, but Laird, why were they able to tie it back to this agency? It was a real time carrier. You sent all the information to them. Yeah. They know what rate they returned on that risk profile and they're able to cross reference. Insurance carriers are really good at data. Yeah. So if you want your carriers to remain relevant, and competitive in a market, then they need to have insight into what is happening in the market because it's less of an echo effect. A lot of times that data is stale anyway. It's three months old. In, that, in that situation, yeah, I was. So there, there's, there's, um, there's stale data out there, but they're trying to understand. But then even if you are – if you take an action and say, hey, this is going to change our rates – it still takes you six months to file the rate change. So it's not even it's not even real time. Right. And so agents need to understand, first of all, they do not own the rates. And that is what the component is actually being there, is that that's not their proprietary information. The insured – and here's the other part of it – is it's not – the insured information is not their information either. Yeah. It's the consumer's information. Right. And if you really want to see where things can go sideways is if GDPR comes here to the states. That a Well, California's almost there. Yep. Yep. But if you have to have an agency <clears throat> have some way that they have to opt out a consumer's information out of their system. All of a sudden, 
you know, then it's proof positive that the agency doesn't own that data. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> I, I think it was ill-informed to go after this because the market has been doing this forever and it's how the market sets rates. Well, it's, how, it's, it's how it sustains itself, right? Correct. If you had to sit there and only take what you wrote, wait for the echo to happen where you get six, nine, 12 months to find out how your loss ratios are and all that, and then you make a change, it could be 18 months to see where the market is going and be able to make a change. And by then you're not competitive. And then if you're an agent broker of a carrier and you're not competitive because of that compare, that, that broker, that puts you at a disadvantage. Right. So I, I really had a problem with that. And here's the other side that I, I would really want to say is that the biggest offender is not comparative writers. I, I would look at your management system. And downloads. yeah, downloads. So all of your sold policy data is being sent down and it is actually being commercialized. Where do you think Ivan's gets its market appetite engine from? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that, that, and then agents are using that data and, but that data is getting commercialized. Right. And so if you really want to remove insight and data muling out of your agency, stop using downloads. Do it by paper. Require paper from all of your carriers and but do it manually. That's not efficient. No, it's not. And so could you opt out? Yes. But also, I don't think there is an opt out of that. Of the because, downloads? Because here's the broad scheme of things is that – it's all anonymous. It's all anonymized, so you can't see what it is. You can't tie it to an individual or an agency. And I, you know, it, it was a scare. You know what? It was meant to scare. In fact, she stated in the article that she didn't want to scare people and all that, but that's what it was meant to do. It was meant to get a rise that vendors are taking advantage, vendors and carriers are taking advantage of agents because they're data mulers. And I had a problem with that. So what are your thoughts? <sighs> Take a deep breath. Um, As you look at your watch. <laughs> I completed my circle. Um, no, so I, I mean I was watching this video and it was definitely I felt hyperbolic. You have a better vocabulary than I do. Um, It definitely felt to me like there was missing information. And I was was concerned of people who would see it and not know the full picture, not fully understand the situation of what's being done with this data and why this data, why carriers need this data, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's – critical to staying competitive staying relevant Mm -hmm. in today's market correct it it, this it's that's god's honest truth yep and if if there was uh you know where you know vendors or carriers were using that data to market to those insureds 
I would have a problem with that. Yeah. And I absolutely have a problem, but it's impossible when it's statistically anonymized. Yep. It's looking going, you're not looking at, you know, Laird Rixford, this zip code, this age, you know, all that. It's this group of people. Right. And it's the people who have these characteristics with this kind of, you know, correct. driving history. And this is where we rate rank in in terms of our our premium returned exactly and this this uh actually there there's a it's called a uh safe harbor law where um that using market basket data that is not in a way and this is this is outside of the insurance industry as well is that you need to have more than five data points for you to truly say that's statistical. And so if these vendors are following the laws, which I'm pretty sure they are, they actually will um, not record anything with less than five carrier rate returns. Right. And that's again proven. It has nothing to do with the end user because that's only one. But it takes five carrier rates to actually be put into any market basket. Right. And so I, I think that agents – this has never been hidden from agents, so it's not like the shock of jumping in saying, here you go. Well, I, I had a conversation with an agent uh, a couple months ago who was really concerned about uh, ITC selling his, his data. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's in your end user's license agreement. You can go right here and read it. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is what it is. We take the data, and if the carriers request it, because it's also their data. Correct. We give it to them mm-hmm. completely anonymized. It's headless. They have no way of knowing it's you. They have no way of knowing it's your consumers Yep. or which of your consumers it is. They don't know this. Mm-hmm. And it is purely for statistical reasons. Correct. And he went... Yeah, and I, okay. I and and that's why I I, I taught I wanted to bring it up in this this episode, is that it it's not a hidden, you know, we're not hiding it. This is something that everybody does. Yep. And you know, if there's a bad actor that's doing it wrong, then that's on them. But the good actors that are using the data to help better drive understanding and analytics in the market, that this is a near requirement, and. You really, if you are having a real-time carrier, you work with a real-time carrier, or you use your cell phone, drive your car, use the internet, watch TV, if you're really in, you know, concerned about what that really comes down to, you're really going to have to cut a lot of stuff out of your life. Yeah. I was, I was hearing something recently that the 90% of the data that has been created has happened in the last two years. Correct. There's just so much. Yeah. It's everywhere. Well, I, I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> so, so can agents opt out of it? I know, really, with the downloads, it's not an option. But well, sure, they can they can opt out and stop using downloads. So just go back to paper. Correct. And um, you know, there there are some carrier agreements that require that data to be um, anonymized, and so you would have to turn off those carriers on on your radar. And, you know, that, that just limits your amount of data out there. And I'm, I'm not even going to get into the second part of the video, by the way, about how uh, snapshot and all that, you know, that all that data is tracking your customers even further. I'm not going to get into that because, you know, uh, consumers get something for that. 
Yeah. They get a trade off. And that's where everybody needs to end up is that there's a trade off for the anonymous disclosure of your data where it's headless, where it's only statistically driven is that you're trading off for lower prices and it, it is everywhere in the market. Yeah. So I think that's all we got for this episode. I think <laughs> you think, um, what do you think dear listeners about insured tech? If you were there and we didn't get to see each other or data and how the data is used and shared in the industry. Hit us up on Twitter. I am Becky L. Schroeder. Laird is L. Ricks Ford. You can tweet using the hashtag insurance happy hour. Or you can use the hashtag data Mueller. <laughs> uh, hashtags also work on LinkedIn where you can also find us. <laughs> FYI. The, the less cursy versions of us. <laughs> <laughs> don't really curse too much on Twitter. Mm. Too much, I don't think. Okay. Well, yeah, subscribe. Yes. If you if you got a podcast app, if you just happen to find the website and are listening on the website, pick one of the the plethora of links down at the bottom that says you can subscribe in your your uh, favorite podcast app. Yep. But uh, I'm happy to be back to record an episode. I've you know I I, I missed you last week, Becky. Oh. But That's uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Lies all lies, right? <laughs> it was it was a busy week. Yep. Well, if you are uh, waiting for this episode to happen at three o'clock, it won't happen at three o'clock because we're quickly approaching three o'clock, and I still got to mix it down. So it'll be a little late today. Sorry about that. Mm. All right. Well, actually, been a really fun episode. I've enjoyed it, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. show has evolved oh the whole show yes what are we doing i think that the whole show has evolved starting in three <laughs> two one it was <laughs> i didn't even notice that until you started giggling mm.